Exactly. The Pope needs just a trailer park stash. It's all I need from a Pope. I think a, a goatee would be cool. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Unbelievable, the podcast where normally I would tell my friend Luis one true story from history and one false story from history. And normally I would try to figure out which one's which. But today is my day of reckoning and Luis's day of celebration because we have kept score and Luis has ultimately won. So today, uh, if this is the first episode you're listening to, you're you're in the wrong place. Go go listen to to the beginning. Go to the beginning. Come back. Yeah, we're at the end of our journey here. Okay. Uh, so we've got a lot in store. We've got some games, some stories from the archives, and of course, we will see who is punished and who is rewarded for their performance in this season of Unbelievable. Uh, To start us out, Luis, do you have a game? Yeah, I think so. We're going to be doing this a little bit differently. Both stories we're going to be telling you today are going to be true stories, so there's not going to be any deciphering stories. And we're going to start off with having some fun, doing a little bit fun games related to this podcast. And I'm glad you asked me if I have a game, Kurt, because the luck would have it. I do. Wowee. Wowee. Well, Kurt, to get us started on this very special episode of Unbelievable, I want to take it all back to where we've all began, to where, where everything began Uh and that is the papacy and the mexican empire what do you mean where it all began we never left (laughs) (laughs) we're we're deep diving back into it again because i'm i i I fear no god kurt that's true all right what do you got for me so for this little fun game before we get to your story kurt i want you uh, it's it's the name of the game is called uh say with me uh audience papacy or mexican empire Woo! Now, what this game entails, I'm going to give you a bunch of different prompts, Kurt. Okay. Uh, ten, in to be exact. And okay. you're going to have to tell me whether it belongs to the ruler of the papacy or the ruler of the Mexican Empire. Basically, Kurt, you, I just give you a bunch of prompts. They can either be of the Mexican Empire or of the papacy. You just have to tell me which is which. And then I'll do a bit of fun explaining as to which one, uh, as to why. Yes, let's do what every What every game needs, a little bit of education added in. Exactly. Now, <laughs> because we, we mess around, but we also learn so much. Yes. We mess around a bit. We have fun a bit. We learn a bit. Unbelievable. We have a lot of laughs. We have a lot of fast facts. Exactly. Now, let's play Papacy or Mexican Mexican Empire. Empire. We should have filmed in front of a live studio audience. (laughs) You know, if we were ever going to scrape together the money for it, this was the one. Exactly. Well, so be it. Anyway, Kurt, here we go. Papacy or Mexican Empire. These are European rulers. I feel like that works for either. Is there more? European rulers. Papacy or Mexican Empire? <laughs> I feel like it's it's both. Okay, I'm going to say Mexican Empire because I know the emperor was a European ruler. You're so right, Kurt. And you know what? You, you got that. You got that. I don't, I don't know if you recall that the current pope is Latin American. So you got it, Kurt. I, I'm, I'm not so up to date on my, on my pope. So that was a lucky guess. The current pope is Argentinian. So you're right. Mexican Empire cool. was exclusively European rulers. You hate to see it. Now, papacy or Mexican Empire meddled with Mexico. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I'm going to say papacy. No, Kurt, it's both. <laughs> now, I thought I couldn't answer both. <laughs> now, here's why. So, yes, as we all know, Maximilian of Habsburg came to Mexico and decided to be the Mexican Empire. So that's a pretty obvious medal there back in the second right, French right. intervention of Mexico in the 1860s. But also, the papacy has been deeply involved with Mexico throughout most of its history. Most notably, lately, has been in the 1920s when there was a huge war in Mexico 
warring against Catholicism. And the papacy was very much against that because, of course, the papacy loves Catholicism. It's one of the first and only wars in the world where you can say the Pope joined Mexico in fighting the Ku Klux Klan. Wow. And Why haven't we heard that story In yet? fighting the Ku Klux Klan and also Mexico. So it's very fun. <laughs> we'll probably talk to about it some later episode. But there we go. It's both. Now, here we go, Kurt. Papacy or Mexican Empire? All boys club. Uh, papacy. Absolutely right, Kurt. Yes. And it's only been men that have ruled in the papacy, and every single Vatican citizen is a man. It's one of the only countries that has no reproducing population <laughs> in, in the entire in the entire world. And in Mexico, Carlotta of Empire, the Empress of Mexico, took over ruling duties whenever Maximilian of Habsburg was not there. So there's a woman involved in the mm. rules of the Mexican Empire. Now, here we go, Kurt. Papacy or Mexican Empire? Loved by their subjects. Uh, Papacy. No, Kurt, it's both. Both have I, been... Okay, okay. <laughs> something just clarify from here on out. No, 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 no. You can't clarify. We keep going. It's both, Kurt. <laughs> it's both, Kurt. Why? Well, Papacy, who doesn't love a Catholic? But also, who doesn't hate a Catholic, right? We've all been there. We've all been there. Also, Mexican Empire, fully a civil war. So, of course, there right. were people that loved the empire. There were people that hated the empire. It eventually crumbled. So, loved their subjects, papacy, and Mexican Empire. Now, Kurt, loathed by their subjects. Both. You're so right, Kurt. It's both. Again, right. for the same reason. One of them was a civil war. And again, who doesn't love, who doesn't hate a Catholic? All respect. I'm starting to figure out this game here. I see I see how this is going. All right, Kurt. Here we go. Who in the papacy or Mexican empire, who is known for a cool hat? Oh, papacy all the way. You're so right. We love the cool hat. Very disappointed the current pope doesn't wear it. Now, he doesn't wear the hat? He doesn't wear the hat because he's That's a like coward. That's like 50% of the job. He's a coward, Kurt, is what I'm saying. Love you, Pope Francis, but wear the hat. Now, Kurt, papacy or Mexican Empire? Known for a cool beard. Uh, Mexican Empire. Mexican Empire, you're so right. Maximilian of Habsburg has the fun double-forked beard, which we all love. And, funny enough, the last pope to have a beard was 300 years ago, which is, I think, something we should change very soon. True. Pope needs a double-forked beard. Exactly. The pope needs just a trailer park stash. It's all I need from a pope. I think a, a goatee would be cool. Put me as a... Now that... <laughs> whenever I'm the pope next, Kurt, I'm going to bring back beards. You, how are you going to grow a beard? What, are you going to steal one? All right, what? next question, Kurt. <laughs> Papacy or Mexican Empire? Disdain for the Mexican people. Uh, both. <laughs> no, Kurt, it's the papacy. <laughs> ah, why well, that's is, good to hear. At least only one. Well, why is this, Kurt? Well, let me tell you. The Mexican Empire, Maximilian of Habsburg, and Charlotte, Charlotte of Belgium, the both emperors of Mexico, were very much fans of the Mexican people, loved the Mexican people, fell in love with Mexican culture, and and they they died thinking they died for the country they now mm -hmm. were adopted by. And now, unfortunately, we cannot say the same for the papacy. Why? Because when Pope Francis visited Mexico last, he yelled at us, and he yelled screaming, don't be greedy. Sure, did we deserve it by trying to 
push other people aside to try to touch the Pope? Absolutely. Did we almost knock a kid on a wheelchair over just so that we could get a close look at the Pope? Absolutely. Oh, that's still, not a good look. <laughs> the cur- but still, the Pope yelled at us and it made us feel very, very remorseful and very sad as a country. So the Pope has disdain for Mexican people. We all know this. Anyway, next question, Kurt. <laughs> Papacy or Mexican Empire? Responsible for Benito Mussolini. Oh, wow. <laughs> These are not softball questions, Luis. These are important, Kurt, important context questions. Um, neither. I'm I'm going with the... I don't even know if that's an option, but we're off the rails. Neither. It was not an option, Kurt. It's the Mexican Empire, and for a very no. specific reason, and I'll tell you why. Mexican Empire, 1860s. Maximilian of Habsburg comes from Austria. Who would you consider his arch rival, his arch nemesis, the people that the empire side fought against, the Republican side? We all know him. We all love him. Benito Juarez. Of course. Benito Juarez, known for being the reinstator of the Republic of Mexico, known to be a hero of independence and a hero of Republican thought in Mexico. When he died, he has since become a great figure. Currently, he is the person that has the most streets named after him in Mexico and in a lot of places in the world. Funny enough, there's a statue of Benito Juarez in Chicago, and he was so prominent, he was so famous, that when Benito Mussolini he was born his parents said name him benito after benito juarez wow that's pretty wild i can't believe we haven't heard that before so benito mussolini he's just an encyclopedia of, of fast facts about the mexican empire what's going on here luis <laughs> I, I i've tried not to disclose my entire knowledge because it gets troubling <laughs> If you if you could be like a historian just specifically for this one thing, that's that's the dream job for you. You're already ready for it. You know everything. Don't discard that fact, Kurt. It might come someday. <laughs> so yes, Benito Juarez gave the name to Benito Mussolini. So you have the empire to thank for that. You have the empire failing to thank for Benito Mussolini. And lastly, Very Kurt, cool. lastly, in this wonderful game of papacy or Mexican empire, which of these two is used as a pickup line by Luis Mejia? Wait, wait, just the line is just you saying? Papacy or Mexican Empire, which one is used by me as a pickup line? Both. Absolutely no, Kurt. You know this. It's the Mexican Empire. Do I carry around a picture of Maximilian of Habsburg in my wallet always in case I'm on a date and they tell me, they ask me, tell me something quirky about you? I say, I'm obsessed with the second Mexican Empire. Oh, that's true. Pull out Maximilian. That is your fast fact. And they fall with they they fall every time it works every time hi i'm my name is luis mejia journalism major and i'm in love with a dead ruler of the mexican empire exactly <laughs> so with that we conclude the first installment of papacy or mexican empire Thank you for playing, yes. Kurt. How did I do? I think I got like eight or nine out of ten there. I'm afraid what you got was a lot of satisfaction from playing. I think I got this an game. A for effort. I think you got outstanding participation. We all won because we learned something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So, Kurt, that's the first game to get us in the mood for today because we're, we're taking it easy. We're having a good time yes. today. So yes. with that, tell us a story and we finally get to take a breather. We can listen to the story and just enjoy it knowing that we don't have to decipher whether or not it's real. We can be happy knowing this is real. So take it away, Kurt. Yes. We can just kick back and relax. So this was this was a story that was meant to be in the women's episode, uh, and I was super excited to tell it, but unfortunately, 
Luis already knew it, uh, but I have saved it uh, until now because this podcast deserves to hear. And boy, oh boy, has he been talking about it. <laughs> this is the story of Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. So this story has two protagonists. First, I'm going to tell you about Anne Bonny. So she was born in Kinsale, Ireland sometime around 1698. Anne's father had had an affair with the family maid, who was ultimately Anne's mother. His wife left him, but the father was very fond of Anne, so he arranged for Anne and her mother to live with him. Uh, he dresses Anne like a boy and refers to as Andy when others are around to avoid scandal. I'm not really sure how that makes it less suspicious, but hey, it's uh, it's a strategy. Hey, listen, listen, don't, he's trying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he he gave it a a little attempt there. He he tried something. There was an attempt. It doesn't work very well because they end up getting discovered pretty quickly and they immigrate to what is now Charleston, South Carolina. So Anne's mother died in 1711 when Anne was around 13 years old. Uh, After this, she starts acting out. She was said to have a quote fierce and courageous temper uh, she reportedly murdered a servant girl with a kitchen knife and she nearly beat to death a suitor who tried to sexually assault her that uh, uh, interesting I, i'm just i'm just saying how you said oh she's known to have a fierce temper murder yeah murder right out of the gate <laughs> right out of the gate yeah there's also a lot of rumors going around about Anne's rowdy drinking habits in local taverns and sleeping around with fishermen and drunks incredible finally in 1718 she married a poor sailor named james bonney the two of them moved to new providence which is now nassau bahamas uh, at this point in time the governor of new providence political platform is pretty much all just anti-piracy the uh the actual pirate kind not the uh not the internet anti-piracy kind <laughs> obviously what's my what's uh, my party platform no pirates and also no illegal downloads (laughs) (laughs) you wouldn't doubt you wouldn't download a galleon So he has bounties on just the capture of any pirates. So James Bonney makes money by turning in pirates and collecting the reward money. Anne, however, spends most of her time drinking in local saloons and seducing pirates. Yes. So as a couple, they're kind of plus one, minus one for the pirate community. Very good. It's net zero. Yeah, net zero. <laughs> Anne ends up falling in love with a pirate named John Calico Jack Rackham, oh, which, boy, yes. what a name. Sick. Um, when they, what else was he going to do with his life other than be a pirate? Absolutely I mean, not. John he, Calico Jack Rackham, what, do you, what is he going to be, a tax collector? No way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my name's John Calico Jack, uh, and welcome to Target. <laughs> yeah. Customer service. This is John Calico Jack Rackham. <laughs> uh, he's named Calico Jack because of his choice of clothing. He wears a lot of patterned shirts and calico. Okay. So James Bonney refuses to grant Anne a divorce. So she just basically takes off with Calico Jack and joins his pirate crew. That's great. Uh, being a female pirate is pretty difficult. Right away, when Anne joined the crew, one of the shipmates protested that there should be no women allowed on board. Anne stabbed him in the chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems She's about big right. on stabbing. Big on stabbing. I'll tell you what. Oh, good for her. <laughs> She's found, she's found her angle there. Yeah. Most of the time while on board, Anne dressed and acted as a woman. Uh, she was both a lover to Jack and uh, also a crewmate, so she was working on the boat. Uh, during engagements with other ships, Anne dressed as a man. She would wear a loose tunic, short trousers, a sword, two pistols, and a small cap to hide her hair. Ooh. So sometime around 1719, Calico Jack's ship captured another ship and absorbed their crew. Uh, Anne tries to seduce one of the new recruits named Mark Reed, oh, hell yeah. only to learn that Mark Reed is in fact drum roll please a woman named mary reed who has been pretending to be a man oh so good this is great so now now we go back to learn the backstory of our second protagonist mary reed oh there's a second protagonist yes yes yeah record scratch you're probably wondering how i got here my name's mary reed (laughs) i feel like i'm in a tarantino movie there's so much going on (laughs) we should do a we should do a podcast story where it's all disordered narrative it's like Pulp Fiction. <laughs> no, it just completely out of order. 
But don't tell anyone about it. <laughs> yeah, if you don't get it, man, that's on you. That's okay. on you, yeah. Anyway, Mary Reed had a similar childhood to Anne. Before Mary was born, her mother gave birth to a son a few months after her husband had died at sea. So she's a single mother with a baby boy. Uh, her mother-in-law gave money to support the grandson, but the baby died. And Mary's mother quickly became pregnant by an unknown stranger and gave birth to Mary. So she wants to keep receiving money from the mother-in-law. So she dressed and treated Mary as if she were the deceased son in order to continue receiving the the money oh my god uh, the mother the, the, so i know uh, these are these are power these are very very manipulative power players by part of both parents this is this yeah, is a, I was a, gonna a, say this is a great example of bad parenting and you know I, I i feel empathy for the pirates i understand i would become a pirate too <laughs> Uh, this also doesn't work much, much like, uh, Anne's father's attempt. The mother-in-law finds out and stops sending money, but Mary's mother continued dressing her as a boy so she could find work at a younger age to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. At the ripe old age of 13, Mary joined the British military. Oh my of God. Of course, pretending to be a man. Oh, this is like <laughs> British Mulan. Yeah. They, I got to tell you, Mary has a lot in her backstory before she even gets to being a pirate. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Get with it, Anne Bonnie. So in the British military, uh, she works as what's called a powder monkey on a ship. So she's carrying bags of powder from the ship's hold to the gun crews, and she served during the War of the Grand Alliance. I don't know anything about this war, but it doesn't matter. Mary was there carrying <laughs> some bags of powder. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, after the war, she joined the Army of Flanders. It's a multinational army in service of the kings of Spain, and she served there in both the infantry and the cavalry. Uh, while she's serving, she fell in love with her bunkmate and revealed her true identity to him. <gasps> He first suggested that she should be his mistress. He's basically looking for like a friends with benefits situation. All been there. Mary declined him, saying that she is a reserved and proper lady. Oh, right on, Mary. Hell I know yeah. she's 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 kind of she's got it going on out here. Okay, she knows she's what she's like, about. She knows what she yeah. wants, and she doesn't care if she has to dress up for it. Uh, so after this, she revealed her gender to the entire regiment, quit the army, uh, married the soldier who was her bunkmate, and then he died a few years after. After his death, she rejoined the army, but unfortunately <laughs> for her, since there was no war currently going on, there was no way to advance in rank, which is just kind of a funny concept to me. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're just bored. It's a dead-end job if you're not in a conflict with someone. So she quits the army again, resumes life as a man, and boards a ship for the West Indies. The ship gets captured by pirates. Mary immediately joins them, but later she receives the king's pardon, which means uh, if you're a pirate, for there was a few years where you could turn yourself in and automatically be pardoned. Mm -hmm. So after being pardoned, she took a commission to privateer. Almost oh, immediately, the yeah. crew mutinied. Hell yes. And then she joins them. So the crew is like, we want to be pirates. And she's like, you know what? I want to be a pirate too. Oh, that's lovely. And then almost immediately after this, their ship is captured by Calico Jack. So now we are back up to date. This is great and all. But what we're hearing is that Mary Reed was a shit captain, right? Like Mary Reed was a, was a terrible captain if, if immediately they've got captured several times and also turned herself in. That's true. Yeah, that's not a great look. I think I get the sense that she's more of a, a go with the flow thing. She's She's like, now I'm in the Navy. Now I'm in the infantry. You know what? Now I'm a pirate. You're so now right. I'm a pirate again. Who am I to say anything? Because I'm the same exact way, Kurt. Like, if all of a sudden I'm a pirate and they tell me, hey, you can just turn yourself in. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, sure. I'll do it. <laughs> and then I become a pirate again. And they tell and I become a, a, a an actual privateer, which is a state sanctioned pirate. And then they tell me, hey, right. what if we just stop doing this? And I said, actually, yeah, why not? We're all hanging out. Yeah, Mary's just waking up in the morning, not knowing what she's going to do that day, finding out along the way. You know, oh, that's the she, dream. she doesn't need to think ahead. She just responds to stimuli. The stimuli <laughs> is my crew wants to be pirates. Therefore, I am now a pirate. <laughs> Isn't that the same way mushrooms work? <laughs>
not calling Mary Reed a mushroom. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, I have some quick details about how Mary blended in because even when she was a pirate on Calico Jack ship, no one suspected that she was a woman. Oh, wow. Uh, she would wear loose clothing to hide her curves. Her lack of facial hair actually wasn't uncommon given that many pirates were too young to have a beard. Nice. She was said to be aggressive and ruthless, always ready for a raid, and swore at all times like a drunken sailor. <sighs> Incredible. Additionally, this is just a little footnote detail, but some people theorize that Mary's stress and poor diet in the army could have paused or interrupted her menstrual cycle, so she wouldn't even be having a period. Oh. So just, just another detail that she, she might have been uh, blending in that way. Wow. As for Anne and Mary's relationship, they were definitely very close. History is unsure whether they were friends or they had a, a romantic relationship, but they were close enough that at one point Calico Jack suspected an affair between Anne and Mary. Mary, of course, who he knows as Mark because mm -hmm. he doesn't know that she's a woman, mm -hmm. and he eventually attempted to cut Mary's throat with a knife. Mary opened her blouse to reveal to Calico Jack that she was in fact a woman, Power. which apparently meant she couldn't be having an affair with Anne. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess it's a good enough explanation for Calico Jack. <laughs> Calico Jack said, oh, no, go ahead. Sorry, I was I was mistaken. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> he said, he said, I think you're sleeping with my with my, I don't know, if he's wife, girlfriend, whatever, and she just rips open her shirt and he goes, understandable. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. See ya. But he did agree to keep her secret and continue to treat her as an equal crewmate. So the girls in Calico wow. Jack, CJ, perhaps as his friends call him. That's our, that's our great, a great band name. CJ and the girls. CJ and the girls. And they have, there's in 1720, they have a summer and fall where they just really have a good time being pirates. They capture a bunch of stuff. I love the image of like for 10 seconds, the story turns into a high school movie. It's like the, the bang up summer CJ and the girls had. <laughs> during, during this period of time, they capture seven fishing boats, two sloops, a schooner, and an abundance of loot, mostly tobacco and fishing equipment. They're called schooners. You know what? I don't know what it is either way, so good enough. <laughs> it's, a small, it's a small ship. Uh, Mary and Anne are said to have fought side by side during raids, wearing billowing jackets, long pants, handkerchiefs wrapped around their head, and wielding a machete and pistol in either hand. Oh, so they are just a little incredible. dynamic pirating wow. duo. Yeah, no, that's lovely. Finally, on midnight, October 22nd, 1720, Mary and Anne spot one of the governor's vessels sneaking up on Calico Jack's boat. They shout for the crewmates to try to wake them up, but most of them are passed out drunk. Only Calico Jack and a few others wake up to fight. The two ships exchange fire, leaving Calico Jack's ship disabled. Uh, Calico Jack calls for the crew to surrender, and they hide in the ship's hold for safety, except for Mary and Anne. Mm -hmm. So all the all the men of the crew are down in the, the underneath part of the boat, hiding, wanting to surrender. Mary and Anne continue fighting. Uh, they refuse to surrender, and they're alone on the deck fighting the governor's men with pistols and cutlasses. Oh, Yes. Mary was so disgusted with the display of cowardice from the rest of the crew that at one point she stopped fighting to look over the edge of the hold and yelled down, If there's any man among ye, ye'll come up and fight like the man ye are to be. No one responded to this, and so it made her madder, and she fired a shot into the hold, killing one of them on accident. Wow. <laughs> Despite their efforts, Mary and Anne were eventually captured along with the rest of the crew oh, by shucks. the governor's men. So uh, Calico Jack was scheduled to be executed on November 18th. His final request was to see Anne. Anne's only words to him were, if ye had fought like a man, ye need not have been hanged like a dog. Uh, afterwards, Calico Jack was in fact hanged. Oh. Which... Wow. Oh I mean, you couldn't write goodness. that. That is incredible. And that is cold and I love it. Yeah, both both Mary and Anne get like the sickest piratey line ever in there. You see why I was so excited to tell you this yeah. story? Because that's like the greatest line. That's incredible. 
Yeah, no, yeah. that's lovely. That's so good. A week after Calico Jack's execution, Mary and Anne both stand trial. They both plead not guilty. Uh, the key witness <laughs> against them is a woman named Dorothy Thomas. Dorothy's canoe had been robbed by pirates, and she stated that Anne and Mary had threatened to kill her if she testified against them. <laughs> she said she recognized them as the pirates because of, quote, the largeness of their breasts. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> She's like, unless you can show me another pirate with, with boobs, it was them. Get them. Your Honor, they've got huge breasts. <laughs> this this turns out to be pretty convincing because Mary and Anne were both sentenced to be hanged. However, they were both granted a stay of execution because they were both pregnant. Ah, yes. The, the classic I'm pregnant trick oldest trick in the book true but also they really were uh mary oh. reed died in prison likely from a fever during childbirth uh there's actually no clear record of what happened to Anne bonnie some historians from the time wrote that she wasn't executed but they didn't give any explanation as to why she wasn't executed there's a ledger for the burial of Anne bonnie uh both names are spelled different in 1733 in the same church cemetery where mary reed's body was buried so some people think that she's oh. there and she they misspelled her name or it was a false name for some reason some sources actually claim she returned Turned to South Carolina and died way later in 1782. Oh wow! But all in all, nobody really knows. So what do you think, Luis? Was that worth waiting for? Was it, was that worth me telling you, even though you already knew? I think some of the some of the broader. I strokes. knew about Anne Bonny. I knew about Mary Reed. But I like these fine details, these these really lovely, colorful tales, colorful stories about yeah. these two women. Because oftentimes, I mean, we, we, we seem to disregard women women's place in history, but when we mm -hmm. have to realize that history is also women's history, right? And, yeah. and these two really encapsulate that and, and show you that, yeah, maybe they're the badass ones. Maybe they're the ones that should have the movies. Maybe they're the ones that should have the, the fun stuff. Because what did Calico Jack do throughout all of this? Nothing. Just have a cool name. Yeah, Calico. Jack's just a supporting character here. <laughs> Not even. He's almost a cameo. Yeah, that's true. And I love that we're that <laughs> this story kind of falls in the same trap as, as most history and historians go by saying like, oh no, Mary Reed and Anne Bonnie were definitely just friends. You know, uh, they, <laughs> it, they it does. The pals. problem is the problem is, you know, pirates are not doing a lot of record keeping. So it is it is really <laughs> just down to speculation of, of what their what their relationship was with each other. But either way, they were really close. Pirates not known for their legend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the detail of, of the line, if you had fought like a man, you needn't have been hanged like a dog. That really adds a lot to it. I feel good. like, so yeah. I, I was really excited to tell you that. That's, part. I think that's, that, that really is, is the hanger that this whole story sits upon, right? It holds it up is. this, this whole story. There's the tagline, you know, the tagline. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. And Bonnie and Mary Reed. We're, we're better. For, we're better with you in our, in our history books. Yes. Right on. All right, Curtis. So what's our what's our next game? I think it's it's your your game to tell us yes. this time. So I have been very excited to share this game. Um, Luis, when we okay. recorded the previous bonus episode together before we were listening to an episode we had just finished mm -hmm. editing and remarked uh, at some some reaction you made that it was a very Luis noise. And I, I often okay. notice when listening to the podcast that sometimes you'll give a reaction that is just a very classic Luis noise. It's probably a little funnier to me because I, I know you and I've heard you talk a lot more. <laughs> but uh, what I have done is I have chosen five Luis noises from previous podcasts Ooh. and I have multiple choice okay. that you will guess what what you are reacting to incredible okay that's everybody it. everybody at home also play along tweeted us if you get five out of five right <laughs> uh, i i tried to make it i tried to make it uh, uh as wild as possible so we got some good ones okay here is the first clip <laughs> what? oh no 
That sounds so exasperated in that clip, Kurt. What? I feel like someone, some, someone's just like stabbing me like very slowly, and I'm just weirdly, mildly annoyed at it. You sound really exacerbated <laughs> in a lot of these. There's, there's a lot of begging going on, <laughs> a lot of begging and pleading. <laughs> so, Luis, what are you reacting to? Is it A, learning legendary baseball pitcher Rube Waddell was distracted by fire trucks, puppies, and shiny toys? <laughs> B, hearing that Typhoid Mary was stalked, chased, and arrested by epidemic fighter George Sober? Or C, hearing the various animal parts that Mary Toft gave birth to? Oh, God. Oh, this is so difficult, Kurt. Uh, this is it's your reaction, Luis. You were there for it. Considering I think I just now reacted to it in a similar way, I'm going to go with A. This is my reaction to... <laughs> because whenever whenever I heard you describe A, I, I felt me reacting the same way. <laughs> you did. You gave the same reaction. It is A. Oh, right on. It is. Uh, learning legendary baseball player Rube Waddell was distracted by fire trucks, puppies, and shiny toys. Here's the full clip. On one occasion, he left in the middle of a game to go fishing. He also... Okay. Yeah. He also had a fascination with fire trucks. On multiple occasions, he would run off the field to chase them when they passed the stadium. All right. Opposing fans discovered that if they would bring puppies or shiny objects to show Rube, he would leave the field to play with them. Spectators said that it seemed to almost put him in some sort of trance. Whoa. Uh, and later in his career, opposing players would buy new toys and lay them out on a blanket on the field to distract Rube to come and play with them. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I think I think I was just mostly hurt by the fact that they were taking advantage of the sweet man. Yeah. I didn't realize how much distress was in your voice till I isolated the clip and I was like, <laughs> this is a disproportionate reaction to a baseball player. <laughs> yeah, th this man this man is upset about something. Okay. Here is clip number two. Oh, don't do this to me. Kurt, stop. No, stop. <laughs> I think my favorite part of my favorite part about this clip, Kurt, is how I do the classic don't do this to me while asking you. I, I, I say don't do this to me as a question, yeah. as if I'm offended that you're doing this to me. Don't do this to me. <laughs> That's great. So, Luis, what are you begging for mercy to stop hearing? Oh, is boy. it A, me telling you that Imperial CEO Otto Schaefer was also a Nazi? <laughs> B, me reminding you that we have both been to Marshall, Missouri together, the home of the magical Jim the Wonder Dog, but I have strangely never mentioned anything about the legend? <laughs> or C, me trying to convince you that Paul LaRue, internet criminal mastermind, and Paul LaRue, gold prospector, <laughs> are in fact the same person? The, I, the <laughs> easy one. This is, this is C, for sure, Kurt, because it haunted me for days and weeks i would say <laughs> the fact that you would keep saying paula rue for every single name so i'm going with c it is not c it is b me reminding you that we've been to marshall missouri together wow. and i have never mentioned jim the wonder dog oh wow let's let's hear the full clip yeah here's the full clip so i'm sure you're thinking how could this have happened oh, that we went to marshall don't we do were this there to me and, and this Kurt, never came up stop no, stop it. <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are crossing all my cables right now. You are causing a short circuit in my brain. You are crossing all my cables right now. <laughs> you could just hear the pain in your voice. That was real. That wasn't for performative. That, is, that wasn't for performative that purposes. Very that much, was real. Yeah, that's a genuine, genuine reaction of, of my brain working double time. Yeah, that was a cry for help right there if I've ever heard it. Oh, okay, I love it. number three. Here's the clip. Sorry. I apologize, everyone. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. no, never mind. <laughs>
Oh, that's great, Kurt. <laughs> that's me. That's me wanting to end on a better note with with our lovely audience, and then refusing to to help my case. Yeah, you like admitted guilt. You admitted culpability, and then you bailed out of it. <laughs> so, Luis, what are you deciding not to apologize for? Is it a confusing the name Paul Larue with former St. Louis Cardinals manager Tony Larusa for the second time, <laughs> or b for confusing Sherlock Holmes author Sir Arthur Conan Doyle with James Bond author Ian? <laughs> Fleming and suggesting that a boat should be renamed Octopussy, or C, for having a fast fact that did not pass the Bechtel test on the Girl Power Women's podcast episode. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the many oh. crimes of Luis yeah, Mejia. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the worst part is that these are all things I could do. You know, these yeah, are. Yeah, these, these are all things that happen. Oh no. <laughs> I, I should say that, yeah, there's there's nothing that's that's made up for these quizzes. These are all things that happened in one of the stories or that Luis did in this case. Oh, man. A rap sheet as long as my arm. Take him away, officer. I'm thinking this is going to be B, mostly because I think I'm trying to, to tell you, explain to you why I confused the two and then realizing it would be too long an explanation, so I decided not to go with the trouble of doing so. Okay, you think B? I think B. That is incorrect. What? It is C for having a fast Damn fact it. that did not pass the Bechtel test oh. on the Girl Power Women's podcast episode. Oh, no. Here's the full clip. Not even close to passing the Bechtel test, by not the even. way. That's rough, you know? <laughs> Sorry. I apologize, everyone. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. no, never mind. <laughs> I think the worst part about this one, Kurt, is that I am I am fully remorseless. There's no remorse in my voice because I, I say, uh, you say, oh, that doesn't come close to passing the Bechdel test. And the first thing I say without skipping a beat is rough. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough one that's a tough well, one to be fair i don't think i gave you any warning that it was going to be a women's episode so i was i was just just messing with you by saying you're fast i think i said earlier that your fast fact had to pass the bechtel test or we would have you executed <laughs> so <laughs> and, and i've since i've since been executed so hey that's true that's very true anyway here is clip number four. Oh my goodness that i love america you, you, yeah, that's a fast clip. You hear me very, very much just giving in to the American dream. Yeah. Just, just yeah. realizing it's like, why fight it any longer? So, Luis, which of these fast facts makes you proclaim your love for the greatest country on earth? Oh, God. Is it A, Columbus, Ohio Convention Center, the Sadie, had over-the-top amenities such as a built-in Hilton Hotel and four food courts? B, former bootlegger and NASCAR driver Robert Glenn Johnson Jr. was pardoned by Ronald Reagan. <laughs> or C, Major League Baseball teams used to have mascots like the Chicago Orphans or the Cleveland Spiders. Oh, man. Oh, difficult. Oh, shoot. I'm going to go with... Just so many reasons to love America. There are so many reasons to love America. I, you know, I think I'm going to go with B, just because this is just fully a criminal <laughs> that was pardoned for, for being very good at a sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just he did a lot of actual crime. Then everyone just said, no, nah, he, he go fast. He go vroom, vroom. Let's pardon right. him. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm going B. It is, in fact, A. What? It is, in fact, A. Columbus, Ohio Convention Center. The Sadie had over-the-top amenities such as a built-in Hilton Hotel and four food courts. There's absolutely no There's absolutely no way I get this excited just by food courts. You watch, Luis. Here's the clip. Uh, as well as four food courts. Four food courts. Four food courts. Count them. Oh, my goodness. That I love America. The lap of luxury. <laughs> Why did I say that? Of course I got excited for food courts. <laughs> Why did I lie to myself? <laughs> 
You oh. just exposed yourself on the podcast. I did. I'm so sorry. On the air. Yeah. That's wow. tough. That's another crime. Add another one to the list. Yeah. That, <laughs> put it on your tab. Put it on my tab. Sorry, boss. <laughs> okay. Last one. Last one. Here's Let's the clip. It. Oh, poor woman. Oh. Oh, that's genuine sadness right there. Right there. There's genuine pity in my voice. Yes. It's like I said, a lot of these you can hear the pain in your mm-hmm, voice. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of distress. Mm-hmm. Uh so, Luis, which mistreated woman from history are you feeling sorry for and why? Is it A, Ada Lighton because she was forced to marry and have children with her deceased husband's cousin as part of a scheme to keep ownership of Alexander the Great's autobiography? <laughs> B, Mary Toft because she inserted several dead rabbits into her womb in an attempt to trick King George the first oh. or C typhoid Mary because she was likely never told why the police were trying to arrest her oh I think it's C it has to be C <laughs> absolutely it is C oh. it is C I'll play the full clip in a second but I also want to say that uh, you did in fact give similar or identical responses to all three of these <laughs> situations <laughs> it's the small nuances in the voice Kurt yeah let's hear all right, it full clip no one ever explained to Mary what was happening or why it was happening and she just knows that the police are chasing her when she didn't do anything wrong and telling her that she's killing people oh poor woman he has a heart Luis mejia has a heart everyone he cares he cares he cares he cares Oh, wow. Oh, that was amazing, Kurt. That was incredible. That was a lot of fun. Now you see why I was so looking forward to doing this. That was this. so much yeah. fun. Well, how many did I get right? Did I did I guess myself right more than once? Uh, I think you did pretty startlingly bad considering, <laughs> again, it is you saying all of them. I think I got the first one, the last one. You got the first one, the last one. Yeah. This, this just shows how mentally, you pre- how mentally present you are for these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> just shows how mentally present I am for my daily life, Kurt. Yeah. So I have been talking for a while. Luis, I think it's your turn. Do you have a story? from the archives for us. I think I do, Curtis. And this is going to be a story where we're going to take it back to my roots that we never left. And this this is one of the stories that I actually was coming up to tell you while thinking of the last episode of the Lakeside Navy one. I decided, for I went to Rome for that episode, but I was initially going to go to Mexico because I, of course, know nothing else in, in this world. So I'm going to go back to Mexico because as, as we all know, uh, I am indeed from there and you living with me, we, we went, we got through a whole lot of holidays together. We sure did. Mexican holidays in specific. And what do I like to do? This is just a little fun fact about me. I love to cook. And what's a, a good cooking meal that I would make, especially around Mexican holidays? We all know it. We all love it. Pozole. We love a good pozole. Pozole. We love a good pozole. And what's pozole, for those that don't know, it's essentially a stew made from pork, stewed together with a bunch of corn, and you put a bunch of different stuff in it, like oregano, lime, maybe some chilies. It's real good fun. It's a nice it's big... One of those, it's one of those all-day stews, you know? It's, yeah. it's an eight-hour cooking job. It's an eight-hour yeah. cooking job, and then you have it for the rest of the week. It's incredible. And yeah. now, Kurt, I, I'm pretty sure I've talked to you about this because, again, I've made this a lot in your presence, but do you know where pozole comes from? I actually don't. Oh, well, let me tell you, Kurt, because to learn something. pozole comes from the Nahuatl word, pozoli, which comes from the bigger word, la posanoli, which means foamy. Okay. It means foamy because the stew is foamy once it gets right. all made and things like that. Now, it's very interesting because this dish has its roots from before the Spanish conquest, and it mm-hmm. has its roots before then, and it was eaten by pre-Hispanic civilization 
civilizations, most notably the Mexica culture, which we know as the Aztec Empire, also known as the Triple Alliance. It's 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 been written, it's been said that Moctezuma even loved this this dish that he would often eat it and and give it up to the gods, give it up to the fertility gods, and for the regeneration of corn and for warfare. Now you're thinking this is basically a big soup. Why is Moctezuma <laughs> racing this for the fertility gods and the regeneration? No, you know what? Anyone listening who's tasted good pozole knows how good right. of a sacrifice it would be to the That's gods. That's true. But you you understand, like, it's for the regeneration of corn? Of course, it has corn. We love corn. It, right. It's the crop of the Americas. But what, or sorry, of, of Mesoamerica. But why would you give it up to the god of war at this point? Well, Curtis, it's because... Because he likes yummy stew. He... <laughs> The God of War loves <laughs> yummy stew. Now, here's some interesting things, Kurt. We've talked about on this show before that the idea, the concept of warfare for the pre-Hispanic Mesoamerican tribes was inherently different than it has been in most of Europe and most of European warfare, even Middle European, Asian, Western Asian, East Asian right. warfare. It's been different in one main regard, and it's that how you would measure victories against your enemy is not necessarily who gets the most casualties, who gets the most kills but instead it's who captures the most people i thought you were going to say who makes the foamiest do comes into play later kurt don't get ahead of yourself that's if there's a tie then they go to the stew they, for the tiebreaker kurt do not get a, over, ahead of yourself my goodness sorry um <laughs> I'm, I'm only saying that because you're getting way too close to the actual answer oh wow and, and here's why so a bunch of these warriors would get captured by the opposing tribe and would be mm. put to some to slave labor some to tend the field but most of them, or a lot of them, would be involved in war games with the local warriors of the tribe to mm -hmm. try essentially gladiatorial combat. Some of them right. were just outright sacrificed. Right. Now, the ones that were subjected to gladiatorial combat, uh, gladiatorial combat, which they were meant to lose, by the way. It was it was a fully one-sided fight. They were not meant to win. Right. What they would do is they would get into a big battle with the opposing tribe and get killed, naturally. Right. Get killed by the other person. That's showbiz, baby. And what would they do with this warrior? So the warrior would be captured by an enemy of his same rank mm -hmm. so that he would then be able to kill him later in gladiatorial combat. If he won, once he was sacrificed, his heart was taken out, uh, what they did now, they started cutting him up. His body was thrown down the steps of the main temple, and then they cut up the body. They would cut off the arms, they would cut off the thighs, they would cut off the legs. All the different parts of the body were taken out and were prepared in a stew with a bunch no, of corn. No. And it became a ritual meal. So this meal would be shared between the family of the warrior. The family of the captured warrior would be there too because they would be also captured and they would be served mm -hmm. this man stew wow. with their deceased loved one and say, hey, this is incredible sacrifice. This is your warrior's essence here in this stew cooked in with our most prized possession, which is corn. You are giving this up to the gods. So now you're going to eat your husband, basically. <laughs> 
basically. And it's foamy. And it's incredibly foamy. My goodness. <laughs> Beyond belief. Be, oh, it's it's ov- overbearingly foamy. And the yes. different the different parts of the body would be used for different people. So some would say the Tlatoani, which is the, the person in charge, the, the chief of the tribe, would often maybe get the heart or get a different part of the, mm. of the body that is only reserved for that chief. The warrior that killed him also got a, a piece of the soup. It was, again, a ritual, mm-hmm. a ritual man soup. And it, it kept being shown around and, and, and distributed around. They, right. they would also make it into tamales. Mm. Little man soup never hurt anyone. Little man Throw soup tamale, never hurt not? anyone. Exactly. One of the main things they would do, they would, they would boil it. They would boil it all together. It's a very important part of this. Now, in 1530s, after the Spanish conquistadors arrive in Mesoamerica and what is now Mexico, the Spanish would see this dish with human bits in it. And of course, right. if you're Spanish, you would freak out a bit right if you, Not a if good you look. just see your buddy's leg just in the soup yeah uh, they there's actually a written written in the codex spanish wrote on their codex saying the natives call this dish man corn <laughs> <laughs> they said this translates to man corn which is wild now who in the world decided to go with pozole instead of man corn it's just man Come corn. On. yeah exactly now here's what's interesting of course once the spanish show up they start trading this meat for other things they say well, stop doing this by god by the gods right. i guess or by the one true god they would say stop doing this you're not going to eat more they're big on they're pretty big on one true god pretty big on one true god as we recall <laughs> and, and so at this point the spanish would decide to tell them hey stop doing this some sources say that the priest the spanish priest and the spanish people would trade the human meat for dog meat choluscuintli meat and they would use that oh poor poor fido is now on the stew sorry dog corn dog corn unfortunately (laughs) those dogs were also sacred to the mexica people or to the pre-hispanic world so they really also couldn't use dogs because that goes against everything they they love too so what the spanish started to do they started bringing different ingredients of different animals that's where pork started to be used oh that's where pork because because the the spanish brought pigs with them. That's, that's right. There's no pork yeah. in this part in this part of the world in the Americas. That's it, it didn't happen. So they started. Yeah, I only I only know that because I have a, a big vendetta against pigs and how uh, bad of an invasive species they are. Uh, and the Spanish actually like brought brought like thirty or forty pigs and then released them into the wild so they would have a permanent food source because they they knew pigs could survive in pretty much any environment. I'm very surprised. I've never heard about this vendetta against pigs that you have, Kurt. You need to yeah, hear the backstory of like the this this viral tweet of the thirty to fifty hogs <laughs> and and how hogs are like slowly invading the <laughs> Americas and could lead to the downfall of any given country. Yeah. It's it's wild. And and this is where it gets really neat because not only do they replace it with pork, but as we have heard, uh, it was a ritual meal. It was a meal usually uh, right. drank by the warriors to give them the strength of the other warriors. But it was also eaten during solar rituals, so rituals dedicated mm-hmm. to the sun. And the Spanish, as really terrible as they were for conquering this land, they were nefariously very good at switching religions from beneath your feet. So, hey, do you go to temple every single day to pray to your gods? We're putting a church there so that every single day you go to temple, you now go pray to 
are God, essentially. That's the art of the deal, baby. That's the art of the deal. And so they would now find saints in the liturgical calendar that would match up with the ritual solar rituals that the mm. pre-Hispanic Mesoamerican people would do and match mm -hmm. up saints to those so that they convince them that by eating these this pork stew, they are actually praying to the power of the saints. And little by little, ah. through the power of stew, converting you to Christianity. Wow. <laughs> That's crafty. That Even through crafty. cooking, we're converting. Exactly. No, again, very, very nefarious, but very effective in a very evil way. Yeah. Now, that's essentially where the story ends. I just want you to know that it can't, it comes from human meat, but I want, I, I, this is a, a personal theory I have that transcends all of this. Okay. I remember whenever I would live with you and with our other roommates, I would usually cook my meat. In, that's not a euphemism. I would literally cook every single meat <laughs> that I would purchase, whether that be chicken or pork or beef by boiling it. Right. Yep. And a lot of the time you would all ask me, why the hell are you boiling this pork, for example, or chicken instead of cooking uh -huh. it? You fool, you idiot. And I uh -huh. think back to that's how we ended all our sentences to you in those days. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Luis, is it your week to take out the trash? You fool, you idiot. You, and you're like, yeah, it's me this time. Yeah. You end every single meeting we do for this <laughs> podcast like that, Kurt. That's true. I spit on my my computer camera. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, now I, I I'm finding, and again, this is just a theory. A lot of Mexican dishes are basically boiled. You don't really mm -hmm. cook meat in like putting it in an oven or over a fire or over a spit. Even you boil it. Right. And I'm making an assumption, a hypothesis, which I'm yet to test, that that is just cultural remnants of the importance of boiling together corn with meat. Right. And I don't know if that's true, but it makes me feel a little bit better about boiling all my pork. <laughs> and with that, we, we come to the to the end of Pozole, which is coming up. September is Independence yeah. Day. So if you are making a good Pozole, uh, I'll certainly be making one. So please celebrate soon with your, with your man corn. I, I can't stop thinking about how much I love just like original Pozole recipe. Name me one other recipe that starts with step one. Gladiatorial combat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting. Uh, there's a there's a historian that actually that that says warriors would go into combat like if they were going to the marketplace because they're going <laughs> to choose the strongest warrior that's similar rank to them and see if they can get him back and eat him. What if it's like uh, shopping when you're hungry? You know, you go into battle when you're hungry. You come back with like three warriors. Like, oh man, my eyes are really bigger than my stomach on this one. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably like this person's eyes were bigger than my stomach. Really, but yes, that's the origins of Pozole, Kurt. Wow, that's a lot wilder than I would think the origin of just a stew could be, but somehow that makes me like it better. That's I don't know what that <laughs> says about me, but I really want some Pozole now. We're really thinking of Pozole now, but so I don't keep you with this desire for Pozole, Kurt. We have one more thing yes, to do. Because while it is your day of victory and celebration, Luis is wearing his birthday boy cap. Mm -hmm. My neck is in the guillotine. That's right, Kurt. And justice must be served. That is true. So for the last 10 stories, Kurt, or I have bested you for 10 times, which means that I have won right. this round of podcast again. And due to that, I have a bit of a quiz for you, Kurt, uh, which you will have to mm -hmm. answer. And if you are not able to answer, tell us what happens, Kurt. So basically, either way, I am going to buy Luis a gift uh, <laughs> as my punishment and his reward. The budget of the gift starts at $100. <laughs> However, every question I answer correctly, the budget goes down $10. So if I yeah. miss all of them, Luis is getting a $100 gift. If I get all of them right, I guess you're getting a paper clip or something. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, we'll see. Kurt, so yes. are you ready for the punishment quiz? Absolutely. More as much as I'll ever be. All right, Kurt. So these are all questions based off past episodes that we've done. Okay. To see, we both know that I turn my brain off after I listen to yeah. this podcast. <laughs> now we get to see if you do the same. Ready? And your money is on the line. I'm going to be finding out too. I, I feel like I don't know either if my brain is active during this podcast. So we're both going to find out together. <laughs> all right, Kurt. For the first question, name one of the two stories from our very first episode. From our very first episode. Very first episode. Uh, was Mystery Meat and the Mexican Empire. But tell me what those one of those stories were. Oh, oh, okay. The Mystery Meat story was a story of the Roman Emperor Elagabalus. I think that's the name. I, I messed it up mm -hmm. a couple times in the episode, I think. But uh, he was a very flamboyant ruler of Rome, uh, and he served his top generals some foreskins, which they did not like very much, <laughs> and promptly killed him. Wow, Kurt, that is that is perfect. You re you remember that exactly. Very good, Kurt. I think about the foreskins a lot. I'm not going to lie, Luis. Don't we all? No, we all. We've all been there. We've all been there. All right, Kurt, we continue. So I'm down to 90. You are down to, down to 90. That's the minus yes. 10 bucks. This is good because there's like $30 in my bank account. So we really got to perform here. <laughs> now, <laughs> name the type of gun that Frenchmen used to duel on balloons way up high. Oh, okay. This is good because I don't think I would have remembered this detail were it not for my rural gun knowledge, mm -hmm. but I'm pretty sure it's a blunderbuss. You are correct again, Kurt. Minus $10. Woo! Yes, down to 80. Down to 80. All right, Kurt. This one is pretty recent. You should remember this one. Name the famed Roman general that trained a navy in a lake. Oh, no. Uh, Marcus Agrippa. Good, Kurt. Wow. Yes. Wow. Maybe yes. I should have functioning brain. <laughs> I'm, I maybe. Wow. You. You. I, I thought I had you. On that <laughs> you one. almost did. I was. I was struggling for a second there. All right, Kurt. What fashionable surgery did Louis the Fourteenth's doctor perform on the king with no anesthetic? Okay. It was. I don't know how specific I have to be. I know it was butt surgery. <laughs> I think he had a. A fistula or something removed? I forget Holy what it was. Holy cow, Kurt. I, that's exactly the name of it. Whoa. Oh, man. I'm on a roll. Get, get ready for your paperclip. What I are we, know, 70? I, yeah, no, yeah. What European capital is Maximilian of Habsburg from? Uh-oh. Name of the city. Name of the city. Vienna. My, good. Again. Because he's Austrian. Yes. You're so right. Oh, yes. All right, Kurt. Hernan Cortez was famously defeated at a battle by the Triple Alliance, also known as the... Aztec Empire. What is this event known by in the history books? Do I have to say it in English or Spanish? Either. Uh, Note triste, which, I think. Which and means? In English, you said the, the night of tears. I mean, it's the sad night, but I think you said the <laughs> you night know, of you tears. You know, you got it so right. It is the sad night. Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. Damn. <laughs> Are you regretting making these too easy? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but you know what? You should have, you should have some backup questions, so if I started getting them, you could switch in the, no, the real hard no, ones. No, Kurt. No, I care about you. <laughs> what word is Luis saying at minute 42 of episode three? <laughs> All right, Kurt. <laughs> Name the faux German acting ring. Oh, no. Okay. I, I remember the story, but I can't get this because it was named after the original guy. I'm going to say Carl Von Hatten. <laughs> I just pick a German sounding Oh, no, name. Kurt. It is not Carl Von Hatten. It is Franz Ichluge. Ichluge meaning uh, I lied. I feel like Carl Von Hatten was close. That's pretty good. It's half, half a point. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right. All right. No, it was it was Franz Ichluga. Ichluga. The answer is a lie. Oh, yeah. I remember that now. All right, Kurt. Next question. What do cardinals in Vatican City allegedly 
say. As opposed to the, the Cardinal birds. Exactly. As opposed to the Cardinal birds or the Cardinals team. Right. What do the Cardinals at Vatican City allegedly say when a new pope is elected? Okay. I I know there's a thing they say other than the what we talked about with the special chair. I'm talking about special chair. What do they say? We're, oh, we're in special chair territory. We are in okay. special chair territory. You don't have to say the Latin translation. Just tell me what they're saying as okay. it translates. Okay. I want to say it's put a little more delicately than I'm saying it, but if I remember, it's something like the Pope has testicles and they hang well. That is exactly it. Or is that it. what it is? That is exactly wow, it, Wow, okay. <laughs> My goodness. It, must, it probably sounds better in Latin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's uh, testiculum abet et bene pendentes. Put that on my tombstone. Put that on my tombstone. <laughs> all right, Kurt. What do all the cool 1920s kids bring to the nearby seal hunting grounds? Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, your gun and your jaw harp all the way, baby. <laughs> exactly. So that we can hear to Prince by while yes. shooting seals. Yes. And lastly, Kurt, define Japanese-style bullfighting. Oh no, I don't remember. Um. Okay. Okay. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with the. Instead of killing the bull, they rope the bull and catch him. No, Kurt. Japanese-style bullfighting, <sighs> as mentioned in the episode, is a big cockfight. But instead of oh, roosters, it's now. bulls. Yes, bull-on-bull like bull action. Bull-on-bull bull action until they hurt each other. So, Kurt, you got most of them correct. Yeah, wow. I was going nuts. What? So, what? what is my budget? I think your budget currently, since uh, we went down 80 bucks from 100 Right. Uh, the budget is $20, Kurt. Yes. Okay. So I have a crisp $20 <laughs> that will be going to buying some sort of gift for Luis. Once I figure out what it is, we'll announce it on our social media. But wow, I did. I was really worried that because uh, I just seem, I feel like I get so unlucky with guessing which mm -hmm. story is true or not that I was going to get zero out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh uh, no, that was that was really fun though. That was I'm actually impressed at uh how how many details I remember from from the stories. But so that brings us to the end of season 1. That brings us yeah, officially to the end of of season 1. Wow. We, with this Kurt, with this the tally is wiped clean once yes. more. We are free to go crazy. We are free to go as wild as fibbing as we want. We can do whatever we want. The tally is marked 0 0. We are back at even skirt. Yes. So before we go, I want to ask you, Luis, what is what is your two favorite stories from the season? One, what is your favorite story that you've told and favorite story that I've told? Because I was thinking about this when pulling the sound bites uh, for the for the Luis noises quiz. I think for me, my favorite story I've told is Robert Glenn Johnson Jr. bootlegging Bordeaux <laughs> gin. And mm -hmm. a favorite story from you that you've told would be the seal hunter, because as we were just talking about, I just love the image so much of a bunch <laughs> of children with revolvers and jaw harps shooting seals. How about this, Kurt? What is your favorite fake story and your favorite real story that you've heard from me? Oh, okay. Of, of your stories, which is my favorite fake and favorite real? Mm -hmm. Okay. So obviously my favorite real story still has to be the seal hunter, right? <laughs> For the reasons I just I just discussed. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite fake story is, is the mystery meat foreskins <laughs> dinner party. Way back, first uh, episode. As, yeah, way back. I mean, as, like I said earlier, that the foreskins are on my mind a lot, living rent free <laughs> in my head. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, what I think about a lot is that because I think when you told the story, you said that uh, after he announced "Enjoy the foreskins," that the generals immediately grabbed him, stabbed him to death, and threw his body in a river. And I just remember joking about like I've never screwed up so bad that I was stabbed to death and thrown in a river on the spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. What about you? What do you have? Well, Kurt, I, uh, frankly, I think one of my favorite 
stories you've told mostly because it was so convincing to me and it appealed to every single thing I enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's probably the seafood prophet is my favorite fake story. Really? Wow. I love the seafood prophet mostly because you got me so well. You ticked all the boxes of a story that will convince me. But now as for as for reels. Yeah. I you know, I remember the quote from that. I said it's hard to get mercury poisoning just from, from eating uh, oysters. And you yeah. said, unless there's a magician spoon feeding you fish. <laughs> <laughs> very good and, and i think uh, my favorite real story that you've told so far is actually one of our latest ones the whalebone baron i absolutely oh, yeah, the love it's hard to beat the it's hard to baron. beat the whalebone baron mostly because again it ticks all the boxes with my own life uh <laughs> I, I identify with both stories very much so uh, that's fun with that i think i think we we conclude this this segment of mm -hmm. it we're not ending this podcast don't worry we still oh, got no, plenty no of way. stories to tell but we just want to throw out a big thank you yes thank absolutely. you for for everyone that has tuned in everyone that hasn't tuned in this is really fun and we we have a lot of fun doing it we have a lot of fun presenting these stories coming up with these stories and this is our special episode so we're gonna get sappy so screw you yeah <laughs> we're we're feeling vulnerable as exactly. Luis would say always <laughs> all right you want to take us out Luis? yes so with that thank you for listening to this podcast unbelievable with kurt and Luis in our very special end of season episode if you'd like to get in contact with us or like to play along with any of these fun interactive games we do sometimes well you can find us on our social media we are on twitter at unbelievable pc you can find us also on instagram at unbelievable pod that's where you can keep up with us you can find us on most streaming platforms and and we're putting Luis's home address in the description of the show <laughs> and first person <laughs> to dm up. <laughs> first person to dm us on twitter gets my personal home address and social security number exactly <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with another story. The slate is wiped clean. We'll be back with another fake and another real story. Until then, I'm Luis, joined by Kurt Danner. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, everyone. Remember, more smoke, more mirrors. More smoke, more mirrors. More, more smoke, smoke, more, more mirrors. mirrors. More, more smoke, more mirrors.